I feel if you are not learning that you are kind of not living. Life is all about how you evolve over time because the world is always changing. There's always new ideas out there. And if you're able to kind of relate or see some potential in some of those ideas, then that's like the best situation. That's Jintel G. And this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. These are people that inspire me and remind me that everything is possible. I hope that you will be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Jintel G is a badass carving her own path. Raised in South Central LA, by families with one focus on achieving excellence and one focused on finding hustle and joy. Early in her life, it became clear to her the importance to always be learning, to serve your community, and to chase what makes you happy. She's a high performer who stands out in her industry of UX design by both gender and race. She's real, she's authentic, and she's wise. On this episode, she shares how she keeps discovering her path by being ready never happens, why we all love Beyonce, obviously, and that real life has both ups and downs, and that's where you find your confidence and true self. There's so much good stuff in this episode, you need to listen through to the end. It has never been more of a challenge to pick an intro quote because the nuggets of wisdom just kept coming. All that is coming up, but first, did you know that there is a way that you can show Powerful Ladies some real love? you can be a patron of the Powerful Ladies podcast. Go to patreon.com forward slash Powerful Ladies. There are over six choices for you to figure out how you would like to support us from $5 all the way up to unicorn support. Really, that's what it's called. You can be a Powerful Lady unicorn. Who doesn't want to be that? The great part is by your contributions, you get more cool free stuff and access to new and exclusive opportunities. Everything from hidden podcast to free merch to free coaching. What? You can be a unicorn and get free coaching or win a trip to LA paid for by us. That sounds amazing. You want a hug, don't you? So go and support Powerful Ladies on Patreon today. Thank you. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so... We, you and I met this past year because mm-hmm. we were both working at our previous company together. Yeah. And I was just really struck by how poised you always were because, Aww. well, where we worked <laughs> was like, it was a startup. So it was a little bit wild and crazy and mm-hmm. things changed a lot and you never kind of knew what was coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. And we also were in a unique situation where when everybody came on board, like roles weren't defined. Nobody really knew who, what was who was doing what. Right. And we were in the process of creating all of that. And I loved that you were always like excited to be part of the group. Mm-hmm, definitely. And just wanting to like contribute. Mm-hmm. And despite all the chaos, you were always calm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see on your face, you're like, I don't know if I agree with that, but it's okay. We're yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just got to let it roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how about we start by just uh, introducing yourself? Well, um, yeah, uh, my name is Gentel, <laughs> uh, Gentel G, and I kind of just define myself as a designer right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I do a lot of different stuff. Uh, creatively, I know how to do everything from draw, paint, and um, now I'm kind of getting really, really deep in UX design, anything that's like based on user experiences. And also, I'm trying to build some of my own things right now. Um, mm-hmm. I have one main thing called Follic that I'm trying to do. Okay. It's like kind of just based on um, just women of color Mm -hmm. and different things that we experience with like our hair and our skin and stuff. So I just felt that there was a great opportunity for a web product that kind of took all that and um, made it really fun and almost like editorial. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like I'm interested to to actually like launch that Mm -hmm. and get those conversations going. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I just got my head like spun out into like 50 questions based on that small share. So maybe we uh. start, maybe we just start by telling people what UX is. Yeah. And like what that means, because I think it's made such an impact on people know what graphic designers are and they mm-hmm. know what artists are. But you talk about UI UX and most people's like eyes start to cross because they're like, wait, what is this? Like, are you are you coding? Like what's happening? So let's yeah. just tell people what that that world is. Well, for UX, it's basically um, like you're just taking the user and trying to really be empathetic about who that user is and how to just approach them through however you format and um, organize your website. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, like I used to work in marketing, marketing and branding a lot. So you would define somebody by their demographics, like how much they make, Mm -hmm. um, where they, did they go to college, things like that. Mm -hmm. And what UX does is it says like, okay, well, those things are great to have, but that's actually see how that person's day to day is. What are things that they really care about? And um, you approach it from there, which I feel is a lot more genuine as opposed to like, there's, you know, 60% of these people do this or whatever, like, because we aren't really defined by our education or how much we make. People could be really, really smart and um, do a lot of things that we can't really, you know, quantify based on, you know, education and... The typical demographics. Yeah, household stuff, all mm-hmm. that. Like, I feel like that's what a marketer would, you know, yep. want, but yeah. And and the the journey that people go through on the on the website of like where they click and why and making sure mm-hmm. that they take the actions that you want them to take. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to basically formulate a way to not make somebody go off of your website. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on a long time, click yeah. the buttons you want to, end up making a purchase, like mm-hmm. all the things that you hope they do so that it sh- it makes your website worth it. Right, exactly. Awesome. Exactly. What What was the journey between going from being a, a traditional artist into that space? Um, it was a really confusing journey <laughs> <laughs> because first um, I was working at art galleries and everything. And um, I did that internship and then I did another internship for a women's streetwear brand. And that's kind of where the art and the design kind of collided because before everything was just about like expression and putting, you know, my like my own ideas out in the world. And then when I started to design, then I had to like think of another person Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a lot more people. Yeah. (laughs) And um, and then I changed things according to that, because even when I was working for uh, Dime Piece, I was the the streetwear brand that I first started with. Mm -hmm. Um. I had to kind of 
know their like know that mind like mm-hmm. know that streetwear girl and what she would like to wear and what statements and stuff really feel uh genuine to her so it went from that and kind of a lot more brands after that because then I did a lot more fashion and uh club stuff I used to design like club flyers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I used to do their websites too um but now it's just like website 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 yeah yeah and and was did it just fall into place because they needed someone to do it and you were able to or did did you actively pursue expanding into the UX? Um, I kind of actively pursued it because I just saw the industry moving so strongly in that area. Mm-hmm. And I just resonated really well with the principles of UX design. Mm-hmm. And everything I read felt like, like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do anyway. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, sh- I kind of just took in all those practices. Um, so, like, tell us where you're born, where you grew up, and, like, just kind of give us a story of your life from, like, zero to 20. Okay, cool. Um, I grew up in South Central L.A. I I have, like, an older sister and two younger brothers. Um, I grew up in a single-parent home. Mm-hmm. And um, my childhood, it was, it was, like, up and down. Uh, there was a period where I was, like, pretty— uh, just depressed because of my dad's sickness. And mm-hmm. that was like from the ages of seven to 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like even though when I was younger, I was very like boisterous and my mom like always remembers me like yelling in church and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like from when I was like seven and my dad got really sick, I kind of really uh, got very introspective mm-hmm. and very just like to myself. I didn't really talk a lot to and to a lot of people unless like it was prompted Mm -hmm. so I kind of got that that like uh like I know you like mentioned me being very poised yeah I I feel like I got that uh that uh feeling where I just like kind of wait and let people speak back then because I was in my head so so much Mm -hmm. and I'm still very in my head (laughs) yeah um but yeah so I I I did that and I went to college I went to uh, Cal State Channel Islands which was a really weird college (laughs) (laughs) it was it was weird because like it used to be an insane asylum really yeah it was crazy and who thought it was a good idea to put a college I have no idea so was it like there must be so many stories of it like being haunted and creepy. Yes. So were the classes in the building or did you well, sleep? Like was it a dormitory? There's a dorm that mm-hmm. was newly built, so that was safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the rest of the campus, there's a lot of like old Spanish style buildings, and there was just like a part. I remember when I was there, there was a part that they just didn't um, totally. Uh, What's that word? Uh, renovate? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did like do one of those trips where we go in the old buildings and stuff while it was like super, super late. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> because it was like we were in those buildings and it used to be a hospital. So you still see all those things mm-hmm. like murals and all that stuff. And um, I remember we went into like two different rooms and it was like really hot. Uh-huh. And I was like, nah, I'm, <laughs> I can't do this. I'm not about to do this. <laughs> so I just left and I was the only person to leave. <laughs> so you're now by yourself leaving. Yeah. But I, I was like, like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not like I'm not about to like conjure up some spirit 
with you guys. Well, especially when like you never know what's going to happen. Like exactly, is it real? Is it not real? Is it going to follow you home? Like I don't right. know. Like do you like? There's so much you have, already have to deal with in life. Do you want to have to be like, oh, don't worry, that's just Fred, the guy I picked up that night we went on that tour. Don't right. worry. Ugh. It's like so 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 creepy. Mm-mm. And I don't know why all those old buildings feel that way. I'm just hoping that you know ghosts aren't real. <laughs> And it was just like uncomfortably warm in there, but it was like I swear it was maybe like one a.m. Uh-huh. and it's you know it's nighttime. It's supposed to be really really cold, but it was so hot in those old buildings. But that's what I mainly remember. I didn't I didn't like fully uh, complete my college education. <laughs> I mm-hmm. dropped out after the second year, which was kind of crazy because I was like a, a student. Um, a senator on on campus. Yeah, so you were very active. Yes, I was super active, and I was into all the admin stuff and just like you know talking with everybody. Yeah. Um, but I just started to feel like if I continued to go there, that I would probably go more into my poli sci because I was a double major with po- political science and studio art. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I would have definitely did more politics there yep. than art mm-hmm. because everything with art kept falling apart. Like oh, yeah. I would get, uh, I got like, like there was this, t- uh, I don't know if it was like a contest or something, mm-hmm. but I felt like we had to be approved to go on this trip to Paris and we had to kind of like show that our portfolio was at a certain place. And my portfolio was there. They accepted me and everything. But it was it was like the, to get the money to go there and spend the time there was just crazy. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, okay, I feel like all these, the big, you know, opportunities that I want to get, I'm not getting mm-hmm. at the college. So, um, so then I just, that's when I decided to go into internships. Mm-hmm. And that's when I interned at like, the Grind Gallery at the time, um, it probably doesn't exist anymore, but it was like a gallery in Venice that uh, a lot of like local artists kind of started at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, that, that was like a really great experience. The gallery owner was a little crazy, <laughs> but he let me like open and close the gallery and put a lot of responsibilities that even though at the time I'm just like, you know, I'm a young girl mm-hmm. and I don't know all the like complexity is of like running a business yeah but um it taught me a lot so I I definitely appreciated that when um what made you want to decide to be a double major like the art part I get because it seems like that's been a a passion of yours Mm -hmm. your whole life yeah how what made you go into poli sci as well well I'm pretty stubborn and um when I wanted to go to school for art I had a my grandfather, he's like a army uh, colonel, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "You're so smart. Why would you just want to do art? Like, you have to do more than that, or mm-hmm. just like go into something else." And um, I was just like, "No, there's no way I'm going to go to college and not major in art." So that's why I did a double major. But poli sci is pretty like almost as useless as an art degree. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, okay, um, I'm I'm just going to do poli sci because it's something that I'm interested in. And mm-hmm. it was something that when I told my grandfather, he didn't like totally <laughs> like, you know, go crazy about it. But he was just like, okay, well, there's something else there. So I guess whatever. And um, his wife helped me out a lot back then because <laughs> she was just like, just let her do what she wants to do. Like if she's going there and she's like in classes that she doesn't even want to be in, then that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But he must have been really proud of you to be at school 
Yeah, he, yeah, he was. Yeah. He definitely was. Because I think, like, like um, because my dad being, like, sick early on, mm-hmm. I didn't really get to spend that much time with my dad's side of the family. And um, it was like they're, like, my mom's side and my dad's side are, like, two very different black families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my dad's side is kind of, like, I don't want to say the Cosby's because I can't say that now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> which breaks my heart because that show like, yeah. was one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it was it was amazing. But it, it makes me so mad that it's tarnished. I'm yeah. Like, can we call it something else so we all can like remember how awesome it was without him? Like, how do we how do we reconcile the, the that? Huxtables? Maybe. Yes, because like there's so many, there's so many great actors in it, and like. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And it makes me mad that one idiot, like, ruined it. Right. I hate it. <sighs> but, um. Sorry, I went on a tangent because that no, really no. upsets me. No, no. We're passionate about that. We're, we're, <laughs> we're both passionate. Um, <laughs> um, so you're talking about the two separate families. Yeah, Your mom's yeah, side yeah. and your dad's. Yeah. So, yeah, my dad's side is very, like, well-educated. Everybody's, like, at the top of their field. Um, and um, my mom's side is, like. Very different because most people, like my grandmother, for instance, she's uh, she well, she was a minister, mm-hmm. but she only had a third grade education. Wow. Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, like the way that a lot of my mom's side of the family formulated their careers was kind of like around things that you can kind of not necessarily teach yourself, mm-hmm. but gain some mastery and just from like. Your surroundings, your neighborhood. Your hustle. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Hustle. So a lot of them are like beauticians and things like that, which right now, especially with the product that I'm trying to do, kind of answers to that too. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's so many entrepreneurs that are, you know, doing hair. Yeah. And doing like very simple things like doing nails. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, you know, if there's something that, that kind of like helps them out mm-hmm. and recognizes them, then that'll, that'll be awesome because it'll help them like you know, be able to manage their business better. It's honestly one of the reasons why I've started Powerful Ladies in this format. And mm-hmm. one because there was a moment in my life where I got connected to this really awesome woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a phone call. She was super inspiring. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to this conference where I love going because I get to network and meet all these great people. And mm-hmm. like, I always learn something that pushes me further in my career yeah. and what I'm up to. And I'm like, awesome. And can you share that um, seminar with me or workshop? And she's like, yeah, here it is. I go to Google it. You can only participate if you work as an executive for a Fortune 500. Wow. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. But there's so many women between doing nothing and being the CEO of a Fortune 500 mm-hmm. that are hustling and doing great stuff and are entrepreneurs and they're working their ass off. Like, no one's talking about them. And yeah. where do they go? And people don't recognize it either. Yeah. Like, there's so many people that don't recognize the quality in and and how hard it is to braid <laughs> and do like yes. different things. And that's why I was just like, okay, I understand that. Cause I've like my aunt does it. Like mm-hmm. there's so many people that were on my on my mom's side that did that. And um I just felt like there's so many ways that you could have like a really, really great business. It's just you're you're kind of slacking off because you have to handle everything yourself. Yeah. And a lot of uh a lot of like beauticians and stuff, like they'll 
have an Instagram where they have to sell that way. And there's so many pain points in that. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Um, and so much yeah. competition. Exactly. Like, like you're right there with all your competition. Yeah. Like we talk about how, you know, it's so trendy right now to be an entrepreneur and do mm-hmm. your own thing. And I'm like, time out. Like people, that's how people made money their whole lives until very recently. Yeah. Like the corporate structure and getting into that process that has become like normalized of how you earn money. Mm -hmm. Like that's not how it's always been. And I think that there's this disconnect between you used to have to figure out how to earn your own money on your own Mm -hmm. to now you need like million dollars to have a startup. I'm like, no, like. People yeah. start businesses every day and they're not getting credit for being entrepreneurs or for having a family business because it's not in the glamorous space. Like it's not going to a, a Y Combinator. Right. And there's there's so many things that you have to learn that make it harder for somebody that's coming from like a background where they, you know, just aren't they didn't middle class college. or whatever. Yeah, they exactly. skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's also like a part of what I'm trying to do in not just like my own projects, but just every project. Like I don't want to do things where it's just like there's a bunch of red tape and there's a bunch of like things people have to do in order to receive something. Yep. Like I, I want to make it as easy as possible. <laughs> well, and no, and like that's that I'm so glad we're talking about that because that's it, really a passion of mine. Like previously I have a nonprofit, Hello Possibility, mm-hmm. and the whole objective is to make it easier for people to do good. Because right. it made me crazy because we were trying to do a fundraiser. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. Like, nobody wants our money. Nobody's able to help. We're too small, too insignificant. And I'm like, what? Like, we need everyone. Like, we need everyone being their own hustler. We need everybody who wants to give back being able to give back. Like, right. why are we making it hard for people to earn a living or to give back? Right. Like, what? Stop. <laughs> and yeah. you wonder why there's so much complication and all this other nonsense going on in the world. And it's like, maybe because we just make it too hard for people to win. Right, right. And I just think that like, even I was, I was looking at like a TED talk. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll link it to you later. Cause I cannot remember anything right now. That's okay. <laughs> but um, it was this guy and he was just talking about how a lot of big businesses, they'll have a charity initiative where mm-hmm. they're like trying to give, I don't know. They're trying to solve some issue and they formulate and they're trying to like, you know, get all this money. But how that how those type of charities never really do anything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like the the benefit of having them is, you know, like you might as well just give away the money Mm -hmm. and not like, you know, create all these things that somebody has to be in order to qualify for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was a really great TED talk. I'm probably paraphrasing it terribly. That's okay. But yeah, he, he spoke about it really like in a great, great, great way, because that's kind of what uh, <laughs> kind of sucked out the passion for me a little bit mm-hmm. at like the last place that we were working, because mm-hmm. I was realizing like all the charities that we were you know doing, even though they were like great charities, it was it was all like something where somebody had to qualify for something mm-hmm. and they had to be a certain type of individual to get you know money. And actually, I think like the best uh, charities are the ones where they don't give you those, you know, qualifications. Yeah, those mm-hmm. requirements. And they make it to where you could spend the money on anything mm-hmm. because you'll actually like, and this is what he says in a TED talk, you'll be surprised on what people spend money on when you just give it to them without any like, you know, oh, you have to do ABC. Yeah. Like a lot of people will, you know, spend money to 
like invest in themselves, like learn things themselves that are online Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe they need something that, you know, you can't really think of that need as like maybe you're, I don't know, a CEO or something. You don't know every single need that somebody has. Mm -hmm. And some things could really help somebody if they just straighten, you know, something out. Yep. So I think that most cases are like that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where my mind is at when I try to do anything involving charity, giving back. Well, I would love for you to be on the committee that we're going to build eventually to figure out how we take the Powerful Ladies charity forward. Oh, cool. Because for the past four years, we've been, that's how it all started, right? Women, I'd call my friends, ask them to host something around the world. Mm Mm-hmm. They'd charge 10, 20 bucks to have their friends participate. Could be a yoga class or dinner at my house. Mm -hmm. Something easy that you were already doing because we're all so busy. Yeah. So it's basically like have fun, be social, and give back all at once. Yeah, yeah. And we would pull the money. And the first year we gave um, the money to Mm womenforwomen.org that helps women who have survived civil war in their country. Oh, wow. And that was really cool. Like it's an amazing organization. We got to sponsor nine women and – they do a lot of stuff because they're, they're very 360 in giving them emotional support, education, mm-hmm. training, and even like things that we take for granted that people don't know, like um, basic financial literacy mm-hmm. and like how to open a checking account, how to save something. What are some skills you have that can translate into how you can earn money? Totally. So That's that, so important. It's so important. Like we, I think there's also the other thing I'm excited about for Powerful Ladies is to like start at zero. Like so often we talk about steps five to 10. We don't yeah. talk to zero to four. Mm-hmm. And I made a joke and on the last podcast, maybe I was talking that like, I am not good at doing my hair. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky that my hair is pretty under control most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I go to all these great people, these great stylists. And I'm like, they, I leave and I look awesome. I'm like, what are you doing? Like my hair can do it. I can't do it. Right. And they tell me all these <laughs> steps and I go and try and do it. I know that there's some level of practice and dexterity that I need to get better at, but yeah. there's something still missing that they're not telling me that's so obvious to them yeah. that I don't know I should know. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that kind of relates exactly to like um, my web product and stuff because I was just realizing as like, as a black woman, that it was so hard to find things that were for me, no mm-hmm. matter what is kind of like you have to start our whole like research project yeah. to, to, <laughs> to understand your hair. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was uh, kind of just looking around because I kind of curated a lot of things for myself, mm-hmm. like on Pinterest, on Tumblr. I, I make sure that I reblog and repin things where it kind of looks like me so I could kind of see myself. Yes. And, um, and that's kind of where the passion for my project came from. Because I'm like, why is it so hard for people to just be able to see themselves? Mm-hmm. Because like, if if you have, okay, I know I know hair typing is probably something that a lot of people don't um, know about unless you do have like kinky hair. But um, like, I would type my hair as like a four C, which means that it's very coiled. Yeah. And which is why it looks awesome when you wear it natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I wanted to do something where it's like, okay, you go to a homepage and, you know, maybe, maybe you see like a lot of different hair things, but maybe you're just like, I'm trying to look for something that I could actually do and recreate. So there's like a filter where it says like, you know, from type 1A, which is like a really like straight hair mm-hmm. to 4C, like what is your hair type? Mm-hmm. And you could just 
pick whichever one you want to see. And then there's all content just from that. That'd be amazing. Yeah, because that's what I was like. I was like, I pretty much do this on every single website that I'm on anyway. Mm -hmm. Like I find people that are like-minded and that's kind of what most products do, even on like Facebook and stuff. You're Mm -hmm. trying to find groups and people that you relate to or that you already know in real life. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I want like the web product to be like, okay, well, here's all this hair stuff Mm -hmm. and we try to make it as basic as possible. Here's all these other like information articles, whatever. But we want to make it, you know, easy for Mm -hmm. you to just be able to, see things that, you know, you actually want to see. Well, I, I can imagine, too, that if you aren't educated in the even classifications, mm-hmm. like to know even know which one you are. Yeah. Must be like daunting. Right. There's so many choices. Like that's how like, even now when you look at foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy that they finally have 50 shades because yeah. everyone is so different. Like even Jordan and I were sisters and we would oh, need to dip- Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She's my little <laughs> sister. And Aww. so we would still need different products. Like yeah. we we look alike, but we don't. And yeah. And so like I can't – every time I go in, I'm trying 50 things because mm-hmm. I don't have a way to go into a normal path. Right. And it should definitely be a lot easier, especially if we're like, I feel like there's so many websites, like there's that, um, that app where they just read books to you. <laughs> what? Like someone like, like bedtime stories? Yeah. Okay. Like I need you, to find this. It's yeah. the Calm app. <laughs> oh. And they, and they have like the, the rainfall and yes. all types of stuff going on behind. But yeah, like, I feel like if we're solving those type of issues, yeah. Like, why haven't we just, like, been able to solve, like, hair stuff? And why are we just now, like, solving, like, you know, foundation things? Because there's, like, industry leaders for sure. Like, mm-hmm. Fenty is an industry leader. Yep. But all these other makeup brands, they're just like, oh, you have 50? Well, that's, like, put like, but they're not doing the study of, you know, people's undertones and stuff either. Yeah. So it's like, no, we like, if you're going to care about it, you have to actually, you know, do the research, do the work. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the analogy in my head is astrology. Right. There's like 12 basic buckets. Mm-hmm. But then if you really want to be able to get your horoscope, you need to know like what time you were born and where was the your moon. Your ascendant, your, your right. Mercury. <laughs> Suddenly you need 50 other things and you're like, okay, like now this is complicated. I need yeah. to go see someone who has a degree in this. So oh I can gosh. actually figure out what's happening. Are there degrees in astrology? <laughs> I'm sure that there are experts out there. Actually, there's. I got recommended a woman to be on the podcast who is oh, really? another powerful lady's astrologer. She's like, you have to have her. So she'll be on here eventually. That's so crazy. Yeah. Because I, um, I, I just found something that I, like a, a family album that I made when I was younger. <laughs> and it put, because I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember what time I was born. Yeah. And I know you need that. So then it saw, like it had, 1232 and I was like oh yeah (laughs) I could finally see all the little you know signs that Mm -hmm. I am whatever and Venus and all that stuff oh yeah because I'm I'm interested in I don't take it too seriously because it's so complicated (laughs) but um I do like to just read it just to kind of it's fun yeah it's fun it's like the same reason you go down the Instagram rabbit hole right yeah yeah. it's entertaining and you're like ooh, maybe that is true right it's good you're like I'm keeping it (laughs) if it's not good you're like eh, that's not me right (laughs) yeah I like like I love it Mm -hmm. it's it's like I've I don't know sometimes I even try to um like I play this I do this little game with my boyfriend where I'll like read a horoscope and I'll be like how do you does that connect to you (laughs) and then he's like 
Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but but all the, to me anyways, all the wording kind of seems like it's easy to connect it with most people. It's super generic. Yeah, but I still You're love it. You're in a it. relationship and it might be rocky. I'm like, they're rocky all the time. Right. Like, what planet are you on where it's right. like smooth sailing for like more than four weeks? Like something's going to happen, right. small or big, and then they don't never put a qualifier on size. Yeah. I, I, I like when they're just generally like optimistic. Yes. Because then at least I could feel like, oh, you, you know, you're going to meet somebody new. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, you never know if it's romantic. Is it a new boss? Like, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, more money, please. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. So yeah. um, what I think it's really interesting how you're talking about coming from like two very dramatically different families. Yeah, yeah. What What was that like growing up? And did you, did you, um, just what was it like? Well, it was, (laughs) it was, um, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting because I felt like I kind of got to see two different, um, mentalities in a Mm -hmm. way, like totally, totally different perspectives. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I mostly stayed with my mom, so I kind of ingrained more of her um, lessons than anybody else. Yeah. But um, I just kind of like, for my dad's side, I just saw like this requirement of excellence, basically. Like anything that I did, I wanted it to be something that I cared about, that I put a lot of effort into. Otherwise, you might as well not be doing it. So, yeah. so that's kind of what I got from them. And also just like education. Like I was always totally interested in almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was really, really young, I wanted to be like a doctor of divinity. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's this really complicated title that I think I just loved because it was complicated when I was younger. <laughs> I was just it like, sounded fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just like this um, person that I think in some instances would be able to see other books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Because they're like deep into it, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I was interested in that because I wanted. I had like a really um big interest in morality mm-hmm. when I was younger for some reason, and um, from my mom's side, it was just like, it was just this. Even though like it was harder to grow up um on that end because my dad's side was definitely more well off. There's just this sense of joy, like. My mom and all of my relatives are just able to laugh and joke about anything. Mm-hmm. And I just always love that, like, no, you know, like, there's no limit. Everything is funny. Everything is a joke. And, um, and yeah, like, I really, really appreciated that. So um, I kind of, when I, when I talk to, because what happened from when I was, like, I think 10 was that my dad's side of the family kind of checked out. And I think it was because like seeing my dad already was really painful because the type of, he had multiple sclerosis. So like different parts of his uh, functioning, like, you know, his, like he wasn't able to talk eventually. Mm-hmm. He, he, uh, he wasn't able to like, you know, move around or anything. He, he kind of, it kind of went pretty f- uh, aggressive with him. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of, well, not just felt, but I saw that like they were withdrawing from me because I reminded them so much of my father. Mm -hmm. And even after when I was 
maybe 22 or something. I think that I did something with my uncle, like some family thing. I forgot what the occasion was. But he he looked at me in the face, like, directly. And he was just like, wow, you look so much like my mom. And... um, it was it was like a big point for me because I was just like, that's like, it's like you look in my face and you see like all the relatives and things that are like painful. So I've, that was kind of like my impression with that side of the family. And, and yeah, even though I always like respected them, I did kind of have like a little, I don't know, like I was, I was just like a little upset that they did kind of check out in that way. And then for my, um, well, it's not fair, right? Like, yeah, to lose your dad and then to lose that whole half of a family. Yeah, it was there, and, and you get it, right? Because they're in pain, right? But it's like, no, I'm in pain, and I need you guys now more than ever. Like, right? It's it's so frustrating to be a kid and see grown ups like not being as big as you need them to be. Yeah, and no one talks yeah. about that. Like, no one talks about how, like. You like as a kid, it's like you see adults as this on a pedestal, no matter Mm -hmm. who they are, even if they've been idiots, you still think, oh, they're an adult. They must have their shit together. Exactly. And then they go through things and you're like, they're just human. And that's such a bummer because I need you to be exceptional right now. (laughs) Right. And I felt like as a kid, I was already thinking that a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, these are the adults. I can trust them. Mm -hmm. Like everything's fine. And I was dealing with some pretty painful things because of my my dad's condition. So I kept looking to them and sometimes it would be reciprocated and sometimes it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of like value my mom so much and like respect her so much because, I mean, she was dealing with shit too. Like she, she had like more, like it was, you know, me, my, my sister, my brother for most of that, my other brother came a little later (laughs) but um but yeah like it was a really hard situation and I think that also because of that I probably um was more so like I just wanted to be and make sure I had everything under control as because I I knew like my mom's condition was already like like uh not perfect so I was kind of like that kid that was like you'll never have an issue with her yeah like I'm always doing what I'm supposed to do and I feel like I kind of took that into my my adulthood. Like I try to like like everything's under control, and that kind of calls back to it. Like like I never want to be the person to cause like uh, alarm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I keep it pretty under control. I remember taking a self development course, and they ask you like, what are the labels that you've applied to yourself mm-hmm. that you maybe like you can get freedom from giving up. Mm. And for me, a word was responsibility. Like I always, other people had labeled me that and I took it on as like, I have to be the responsible one. Yeah. And then to have a breakthrough in realizing that like I didn't have to be responsible. Like, sure, I prefer to be that way Mm -hmm. because I I think it just makes workability happen. Yeah. And have integrity within it. Right. But to realize that I didn't have to be responsible all the time. Like other people could be more responsible in situations. Right. Like it's giving me a little bit of freedom to relax in some areas mm-hmm. and remember that sometimes it's more important to be having fun than worrying about like, is this responsible? Yeah. Which maybe compared to other people on the responsibility scale, like that might've given me 10% more 
craziness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I haven't gone off the reservation on it yet, but yeah. at least it, it, it allowed me to give up like having to be it yeah. versus choosing to be it, which is like a completely different power structure right. with it. And I had to like, yeah, that like everything kind of calls back to something for me right now because I've been going to like therapy uh, for the last few months and like my therapist had to tell me like, you need to chill out. <laughs> Like you are like taking on a lot of different things for different people that they don't even realize. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, it was I I think that I I definitely needed somebody to tell me that because I was just like overdoing a lot and just in so many different areas trying to like. And I'm not I'm not only just thinking of like what I'm delivering. I'm thinking about like communication, how I talk to people, making sure that they're okay, and like a bunch of stuff. Like I'm always just like I don't know, thinking of every little detail. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of let that go so I could give myself space to breathe. You you have to. Yeah. I um I think so often people who are high performers are always asking other people how they are, Mm -hmm. and it's so rare that anyone asks us i'm gonna group myself into that like yeah definitely how often like i can probably count on my hands how often somebody asks like how are you Mm. or do you need help like that's crazy because i every time i talk to anybody even they hit me up randomly i'm like how are you yeah like i always even in i try to like get like the real answer too like how are you actually doing yeah and i i pride myself too on being like one of those friends Mm mm-hmm no, and like I, I get it. Like I'm not, I'm not a high risk person. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time, I'm fine. Yeah, but but, there, but you have to check in with those people. Like you have yeah. to check in with everybody. And when it's bad, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Like when I, like if there's ever an issue, and I, and I'm telling somebody about it, it's hard because you, you feel like okay, I'm telling you an issue. I, I really want you to listen to me. And I felt I feel like most people hear that and they're like, oh, well, you have everything under control usually. So I'm just going to give you this whatever advice that I'll give anybody. And I'm like, no, this is dire. Like for me to ask you for help means that I've probably Googled everything (laughs) and tried like every little, you know, solution that I could, you know, ever think of. And um, yeah, because you're not a cry wolf. So like when it comes up, it's, it's like a bigger thing. Yeah. Like you've you've gone through everything that you could already take care of yourself. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. So message to everyone listening, <laughs> go check on your friend who you think is the most powerful. Yeah, ch- check on your strong friend that mm-hmm. you go to every every day or whatever whenever you have like a crisis. Like just say, "Hey, how are you doing? What's up?" <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Um besides taking on that level of responsibility um mm-hmm. and like keeping things under control, what were other impacts um, with your father passing that has like kind of changed or directed your the course of your life? I feel like I've always kind of thought about um, edge cases and people that wouldn't necessarily be considered or thought of when I'm creating things. Mm-hmm. Like um, I had like this other <laughs> idea that I never did, <laughs> but not I wanted yet, anyway. Yeah, not yet. Um, I wanted to do like visual art pieces in braille so that but like have like the part that they're feeling be like almost poetic to kind of go with the piece like do things like that like I I, like I want to be able to kind of think of everybody (laughs) and and um and do things that just haven't been 
you know, done in a certain way. I just feel like that's the most interesting to me to just think of people because I, I love people that are extremes and that are eccentric and that you can't quite like put in a box when you see them. Like I love fashionable old ladies. <laughs> and I, my favorite. Yeah, I like I love like those like really really unique you know characters. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to think about and and um who I want to think about when I create things. People on the fringes. Yeah, like I feel like we all feel a little bit on the fringe in in different ways. If we're honest. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think like um. That's one of the things I respect out of the the Burning Man culture mm-hmm. is that because it's encouraging you to like do whatever, mm-hmm. even if the people are start by pretending like just like I'll wear they, like they'll call it a costume, which is like sacrilegious. Oh, yeah. they're like these are not costumes. Like so, I get it. Yeah, like it should be authentic, not a costume. But right. I think there's something about being in that space where. You're expected to push it a little bit, yeah. And how you show up visually, yeah. That it opens up something that most people don't spend their time doing, yeah. Like there's a creative outlet where like everyone always comes back, at least from the group that I go with, yeah. That there's like this extra boost of creativity, right? And like really reassessing like the thought patterns that you have typically, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because there's it is so easy to fall into a routine and a pattern and focus on just making it through the day mm-hmm. when like that that's not creative or powerful or yeah like that doesn't light you up usually like yeah I think you have to kind of like tear yourself down a little bit and get to the like bare bones and kind of see like what you're really made of because for me even even now like choosing to be mostly freelance I felt like I have to uh just lose con- lose like some conceptions about myself that I had originally and some some things that I thought about my career and where I wanted to go I had to kind of be more real and and actually think like well what what um at the foundation is most important for you and right now I'm really into just like doing things that I that I connect to like where the voice seems very familiar Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do anything else but that right now. Like, I don't want to just join a company just because I know, like, oh, I'll get this and that. Like, I, I, like, I don't want to just feel safe. I want to feel like I'm doing something that feels a little more radical, especially right now. Like, I feel like we're in the perfect climate to do things that that feel more true to us, that we align with. Because a lot of times things are just like, okay, yeah, like... Like, okay, that's that that's what, you know, everybody is kind of saying. This is gonna keep it the wheel churning, whatever. But if we're more honest and um more truthful about like what we actually, you know, feel will be beneficial for the future, then we should totally contribute to that. a hundred percent. Yeah. That's also why I think, you know, the obviously the the topic and debate about healthcare and health insurance is so big. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anyone on a typical news station talking about how if we provide healthcare at a lower cost for anyone, mm-hmm. that it's going to open up the doors for more people to feel safe to be an entrepreneur and start a business. Yeah. Like you can't that's Entrepreneurs that I talk to, that is the number one concern they have. It's not, am I going to make money? 
because there's 50 ways to Sunday to hustle and get a client and start making money. Right. But people are worried about like having health care. Yeah. And it's crazy that that would be a barrier because there's no reason for it to be. Right. It's and it's it's huge. Like I like I recently um like my sister, she has a uh, breast cancer and like she's working and everything. She has insurance, but it, it's still really hard. And I still had to like get a like I created a GoFundMe because she was very <laughs> she did not want me to give her any money, um, even though like I've helped where I can. But she was just like, I really just want to like do something else or figure out another way. So I was just like, OK, I'm just going to make a GoFundMe and try to see, you know, how much I can get from there. And thankfully, like, it's helped a lot, but, like, she's already somebody with a job and insurance. So it's like, why do we also need that? Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't, like, why aren't you able to just live and be able to take care of yourself and be able to, like, have that, you know, that padding to fall on if something does happen? Yeah. Because that was, like, out of the freaking blue, for sure. Yeah. And, like, you would think that. At a minimum, what all the money you're putting into pain insurance and your mm-hmm. company is paying as well, like should cover the big things. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't cover the big things, like what are we doing? Yeah. I always felt like that's so messed up. Like anytime when I had like a big situation happen and I had like apartment apartment insurance and stuff like that and I call them, there's always like some little technicality. So I'm like, okay, well, I have insurance and I'm paying for it, but- yeah. When stuff happens, there's like it doesn't really help help. <laughs> like I always wonder, like, would it just be smarter to put that money into a savings account? Right. Like I'd much rather be like saving because Lord knows, like, ugh. Yeah. At least you know it's there and you and to your point before, you can do anything you want with it. Yeah. There's no restrictions. Like even like it's so funny to me that like in California you have to get earthquake insurance. You don't have to, but mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah. And it's a fixed price no matter who you get it from. And there's so many stipulations behind it. Yeah. Like what I don't whoever approved an act of God not being covered by insurance. Like that's right. what I have insurance for. Right. Like I need insurance for the act of God. Right. Like that's what I don't know is going to happen. Like I can't prevent that. Right. I can lock my doors. I can make sure that um you know, we're unplugging dangerous things when I leave the house. Like, there's things I can do, mm-hmm. but I can't prevent an earthquake or a flood or yeah. a random water main break or, you know, lightning striking. Like, I can't do that. So right. why is that not covered? Right. There's like, um, well, this is going to um, tell you about my apartment. <laughs> but but there's like, uh, you know how there's been like a, a lot of rain recently? And it's it was kind of like that last year, too. And um so I have this magical window that when it's closed and it's raining really hard, water will still come through the window. Oh. Yes, it's beautiful. Your Harry Potter window. <laughs> and, and like uh, before, like last year, it happened where like uh, half of the room had water in it. And now like uh, that happened a little bit recently but not as bad but yeah I was just like okay well I have insurance and then they were just like oh well it sounds like that's something that is uh the apartment like like your apartment manager like they have to handle that part and I'm like but it's it's nature and it's coming through my window (laughs) so so yeah I just didn't understand but they were like oh yeah uh I don't think we cover that 
nice. I would fight back. I would so fight back. Yeah. It was insane. And of course my apartment manager is like, I don't I don't know. Like what's like God. But yeah, I that's why I'm like so like I just I don't understand insurance and I don't like it. <laughs> it's and it's I think that there's such an illusion about it too because there's all sorts of insurance that people are getting sold that they don't need. Mm-hmm. And then there's insurance that we do need. Like the only purpose of insurance is to protect our assets. Yeah. So like there's so many levels of insurance that no one needs that they are that people think you have to have because people yeah. talk about it. Yeah. And then the insurance that you end up getting isn't even the good one that you need. So Yeah. Yeah, I can go on a tangent about this. Yeah, we're having a very important conversation about insurance right now. <laughs> yes, so I, I am committed to bringing on somebody who is an insurance expert so oh, we can get yeah. that sorted, and I'll circle back on that, but there's so much more that we can talk about. So what I would love to know, for people who aren't don't live in L.A. and mm-hmm. haven't been here, there's obviously images painted of what growing up in L.A., yeah, and South Central and Southern California, like they, there's visions, mm-hmm. and like how much of that would you say, based on the stereotype you experience, and how much of it is bogus? And also, it's changed so much, yeah, through time, yeah, that there. I think there's also that needs to be recognized that yes, yeah, it's, it's totally evolved different. so much. So let's yeah. set the record straight on what's really going on. Well, I've I've grown up in South Central, so that's like the part that you see in. Boys in the Hood and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, a lot of times when I tell people like, oh, yeah, I'm from here, they expect me to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that way. <laughs> and um, so but I did like grow up and see certain things like I've had family members that have been involved in like gangs and stuff. And I've heard pretty wild stories because I have like a whole nother side of the family. It's pretty crazy. But <laughs> but um I, I just never felt, like, really unsafe. Mm-hmm. And my mom was able to, like, really uh, protect us back then. Um, so there there is the element. There's definitely, like, that element of gang culture. Um, but it's not as bad now. Not nearly as bad as it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the people that I do, that I, that I did know that was, like, into something— they're mostly like Muslims now. <laughs> like they just changed their whole lifestyle. <laughs> but but yeah, like uh there's that change. It's it's pretty like calm. And now a lot of the neighborhood is getting gentrified. So there's like a lot of like new buildings and stuff like that, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, so it's it's changed that way. It's I think that a lot of people they have like this uh impression that everybody's pretty chill. And that's for the for the most part, that's true. Or, or at least like I try to be that way. There's a lot of people that come here though from like different states and stuff. And I feel like there has to be um something that kind of relates those people to the California culture because there's so many transplants. There's so many people that just that aren't like natives that have like their own thing. Cause I feel like that's the big Hollywood thing. Like all of my friends that are like actors and you know trying to do something in Hollywood like they came from another place and they definitely have like a strong influence in certain areas Mm -hmm. because I definitely get that like like uh yeah like you guys are trying to create something and and um and you're or you're trying to be something you're like hustling to do this 
So you'll see a lot of Uber drivers that are actors <laughs> or, <laughs> or different things like that, like different um, different uh, hustle ambitions that, For sure. that are, you know, doing other things out here. Well, I mean, we're in the land of the slashies. So. Yes, yes. There's a lot of slash. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the female movement has been such a big thing in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion about it? And how do you think... You know, being a black woman, how do you see it differently than maybe it's being talked about? Uh, I've seen a lot of great conversations just because, like, I I follow so many different people that kind of connect to that movement, but also, like, others, too, that are, like, would consider themselves not feminist, but a womanist, mm-hmm. um, just because of all the, the um, questionable identity things and within feminism that— they'll rally for that may feel different if you're a black woman from, you know, you have a different experience. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I connect to a lot of it. Um, I do see those issue areas where it would be better to have a more diverse voice. What's an example of one? Well, I think like for, for a lot of people, there was a weird moment for the election. Yeah. And um, a lot of people were saying, like, okay, like, this percentage of people voted for this, this percentage of people voted for that. And I think that there's, like, a like a pretty sizable percentage of white women that voted for Trump. And I think that it's such a hard topic for people to talk about, especially— um, just within that whole like movement, just within the just within the female population talking about politics is yeah, like addressing yeah. like those people that that benefit from certain privileges yeah. and they recognize the issues. Or I, this is kind of like what I see, or what I kind of have like uh like like questions about when I when I see it. But they recognize like the issues and they see like oh okay well. Uh, Trump isn't doing this, da, da, da. but they also see that if they voted for, you know, Trump, it makes them feel secure or it, Interesting. you know, mm-hmm. gives them more security in their privilege. So then they just like kind of still vote that way because they're just like, oh, well, this is this is going to help me anyway. And if I vote, you know, the other way, then maybe I'll feel less powerful or I, I don't know. I feel like less secure. Yeah, less secure. So um, that was that's definitely like a, a part where I don't see that being addressed, but I do see it when people are like, you know, saying I'm a womanist and this is I believe in like intersectionality and how the like you have to kind of think of all the different types of people and how this affects them and their own experiences. And um, yeah, like I, I respect, you know, that. And then, although I like I, I do love the woman the uh, the women's movement, mm-hmm. and I, I went to the march and I did like a lot of things in that, DC or in LA in LA because nice. I can't go. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I went I went to the one in LA, and and when I went there it was beautiful and I saw all different types of women and even like you know some people that were trans and stuff. So I loved 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 that, but um, I do think there has to be more transparency and a more vocal uh voice that that kind of like talks about the things that are a little harder to talk about Mm -hmm. because it's just like 
okay, well, how, like, I think a lot of people are like, okay, you guys, when it's uh, Thanksgiving, you have to talk to your families and kind of see where they're at and have those com- conversations that are uncomfortable. But I think a lot of people, they kind of get in those, yeah, they get in those, you know, environments and it's just like, like hard, mm-hmm. you know, and but then, it's, but it's like also like what you're fighting for the, you know, like the end goal of all of this, like equality and, you know, having other people feel validated, is really really important. Yeah, and um, there has to be something that kind of helps people feel that a little bit more strongly, or even just though brave enough to have the conversation. Yeah, because uh. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like there has to be more done on that end, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of like there. Like I don't even know like what's the proper platform or you know area to to really have that discussion in a substantial way where you're you know talking to people and seeing like why they do these things, why they're still voting certain ways, mm-hmm. and and you know, kind of like breaking past that mentality. Well, I think it's it's hard. I think there's some fundamental things of that a lot of people do not have a diverse circle that mm-hmm. they interact with on a daily basis. Yeah. And diverse on whatever level you want to choose, right? Right. So for people to actively pursue having more diversity in their life, I think is one thing just to see it and experience it and be like learning. Right. And then I also think it's really hard for like people to be brave to like push those conversations like at a Thanksgiving that you mentioned. Right. Like, cause there's so much, people are so afraid of being judged on both sides. Yeah. And it's like, how about we just talk about it? We agree. There's not gonna be any judgment. Like just talk, like everyone gets a voice. It's almost mm. like when you be in school and they pass around like whatever object it was that like gave you the floor. Mm-hmm. Like how do we allow people to talk through it Yeah, and allow questions to get asked? Yeah. In a in a neutral space, even if it's really hard to be neutral. Yeah. But if you fundamentally believe that people are good and they don't want to hurt people. Right. Like, how do we get through that? Like, most people are making selfish choices every day because that's what animals do to survive. Yeah. So how do we allow people to feel like everyone's okay, there's enough for everybody, and like, let's talk about what's really going on, like... Right. Most people I just don't think get it, don't get the impact. Yeah, totally. And it's, that's a hard area to educate people. And that's why I feel like political science and like basic budgeting should just be high school courses. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I, I definitely do recognize like it is really, really difficult because even like my mom, like she has some questionable opinions. <laughs> and I still have to like break it down to her and you know say like okay mom you can't you can't be out here in 2019 thinking this way (laughs) like you have to like we've evolved like and um I do think a lot of these things it's kind of like it feels more personal and it's uh it's based a lot of these conversations that I have had with people like Mm -hmm. different friends and stuff it's been like a one-on-one conversation yeah and I feel like if people kind of approached it that way and maybe like like sit down like with your elders and stuff and just try to be more because we don't even talk to people I feel like that are in our families that are a little bit older that have different experiences like have those conversations like relate to each other and allow them to 
you know, say some you know, <laughs> weird stuff to you that may be a little controversial, but um, like just be patient. And yeah, I, I think I think that's actually a great message of like, just pick one person. Yeah. Like even you talking to your mother, right? Right. Just being like, this is what I see. This is what's going on. Like, where are you at? Why? Mm-hmm. And like, it's okay to like start with somebody that you know, you have the space for the listening. Right. And then like, okay, then just move on to the next person. Like, yeah, you don't need to take on being a crusader with the most opposite person from you right. to start <laughs> right oh, please don't that's so frustrating like don't do that to yourself because <laughs> I like well okay so one thing I would say is be conscious of what you could do and what mentally like like don't disrupt your you know mental space too much if it's if it's crazy if you know it's going to be like insane don't do that but but like if you're talking to somebody where you kind of see like, okay, well, they're kind of getting there. There's some struggle a little bit, but I know that they'll be able to relate to me in a certain way if I was, you know, if we just like kind of talked one-on-one. Um, those are the conversations where I would get into it. Um, there's some people that are just, you know, more extreme in their behaviors and may have like, Opinions that they feel like really, really strongly about where it could be harder to break down like all those, all the things mm-hmm, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that they believe strongly in. Um, so those may take more time. I would still say try. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, just know that it'll, it may take time, but you, you could be like patient and just honest with them. And I, and I think it's okay to have a position of speaking up when you feel like it's the right moment Mm -hmm. and then also having like a a one-liner in your pocket about what you can say so that you don't need to participate or tolerate something because there's a way to shut down a conversation without having to have the conversation right so like for an example like if someone's talking making a joke that's inappropriate or that offends you or something like what's what's a pre-recorded one-liner that you have that you can pull out of your pocket when that happens. Like, just to shut it down. Like, hey, that upsets me. Like, let's move on. Or yeah, whatever that is so that you can... Because I think people get really upset because they don't want to tolerate it around themselves. Mm-hmm. But they don't have something to stop it with. So how can we not tolerate it and, like, change subjects or move on or, like, remove yourself from that situation? Yeah. I get more and, blunt now. Yes. Yeah, because um, before I've been pretty like, I don't know, like reserved. Passive. Yeah, and passive. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like a lot of people are like pretty passive right now. A lot of people feel like if if something comes up, maybe they don't have all the information, and it's hard to feel confident about you know the things that you know when politics are is already really really confusing and um, complicated. But uh, but yeah, if you if you just kind of if you're able to. To just say things that you believe in and that you know to be true, mm-hmm. I feel like if you like keep it there, then you're fine. And if you also just don't allow it to go too far, because um, sometimes when those conversations happen, and sometimes my boyfriend, like even he, will like sometimes say things where I'm like, eh, like that's homophobic. <laughs> like yeah. you can't like you can't say that. You gotta. I think yeah. it, I think it is important to check the people in your life that. Like when you're there, like, yeah, like check them, like shade them, check them, <laughs> do all those things. Cause 
You really like people just need to speak up more. Yeah. And um and yeah, like it's not really all about having all the the details. Some maybe you don't know the percentages and all that stuff, but I think that you know, you could just come from just a basic place like we're all human. You mm-hmm. need to be able like you need to respect other people. Like I I don't like sometimes when people say certain things, it is a a really sharp just disrespectful a comment on a certain type of person. Like I feel it's super like, obvious. Yeah. Like, I feel like most things are like that. So you could just, you know, be blunt and just like, no, I, I'm not going to tolerate like you talking that way about that. I do not believe in that. That's not like, a you know, one mm-hmm. of my morals or anything, however you want to say it. But mm-hmm. yeah, like just make sure you say it. Yeah. And then at least you can, you can sleep at night knowing that. Yeah. Not thinking like, oh, I should have said something. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a really hard. I think that's the hardest cultural thing that we're we're dealing with from a communication perspective right yeah. now. Yeah, because most people I talk to agree that they want more communication. They want these topics to come up. They don't want there to be things that we can't talk about. Mm-hmm. And they and it's almost like everyone's in the. It's almost like a couple, like at a school. Or no, I'm gonna go back farther. Like when you go to a school dance and like all the boys are over there and the girls are over there, like they want to yeah. talk, but they're all afraid to talk. Right. And you're like, how do we just make that space in the middle? Like, okay, like, all right. So you have to find a few people that are gonna go and do it first. Yeah, because it's it definitely gets confusing. Because yeah. I've been on Jezebel, <laughs> and the comment section is kind of crazy. Because yes. sometimes you'll um you'll see somebody that's trying to understand a topic. And it gets kind of just muddled over. And yeah, like I know there's totally different ways to respond. Some people are more just like, no, like I'm not even going to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Like that's not my job. And I, I didn't like, you know, do all this work myself just to have to like educate you later. But for me, like I'm very big on patience and like trying to like relate to somebody in a in a substantial mm-hmm. way like anybody that I interact with even when you know it's somebody that's that I probably won't see the next day like I'll I try to like say sir or you know whatever or ma'am or whatever or be as respectful as I can within that limited space yeah cuz you're it's it's a it's you honoring your own word of respecting everybody's humanity yeah and it's 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 the it's hard it's hard to be patient with that stuff. Yeah. But it's definitely important to have those um, discussions. And I know like some, a lot of the times they happen online and that's where people are just kind of crazy. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's like, it, if it's such a big topic, like obviously we consume so much information mm-hmm. online and digitally. Yeah. But it's also the worst place to actually have a conversation that has the human element to it. Right. Like, there's so many things that you'll do in person that you are absolutely not going to do online just because you don't want somebody to take advantage of that, of your kindness. And, um, and yeah, like it's, it's, it's uh, totally hard to have that online, but. Yeah. And there's so many conversations, like I have so many examples in my family and my friends' families where people in the same family aren't talking to each other right now because of an exchange on a social media platform. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, like pick up the phone. Yeah. Have like clearly something is misconstrued because you guys come from a family that yesterday 
We were on the same team. Mm-hmm. Today, it's not. Like, obviously, there's been a breakdown in some communication. Yeah. And it's just like you can't break up on a text. Like, you can't break up on Facebook. Yeah. Like, as a family. People get, like, really <laughs> tied into their online image and then want to make sure that. Yeah. Yeah. Same energy in person. Right. Like, it, it, all, the, all the best um all the leaders that have had, have had revolutionary culture changes, mm-hmm. Gandhi, Martin Luther King, like you can keep naming them, right? Mm-hmm. All of them are willing to sit and have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. And it was never a, like, no, this is the message. Goodbye. Like, because yeah. you have to, like, there's a, there's, that's what. I mean, was, yeah, definitely. Like even Malcolm X, like he would shut you down, but yeah. <laughs> he had like those really great like interviews and conversations where it's just like ah okay i see like i understand and he's made like some really really great points mm-hmm. but yeah you have to have to meet everyone a little bit halfway to like be able to move everyone across the finish line together yes 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 so, yeah happier topics yeah so, <laughs> um as for where do you go to get inspired and to be motivated and and like fuel yourself for being at your at your best? Um, I've been reading some good books lately. Of course, there's Becoming by Michelle Obama right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of my books right now are more educational or having to deal like directly with my fields. Um, I am. Well, I just finished Hooked, which was a good book just about, like, UX and everything. And I'm also reading this really boring book about JS <laughs> and coding languages. Just, like, I have, like, HTML, CSS, uh, JavaScript, jQuery, mm-hmm. and, like, a bunch of other stuff. So um, that's kind of my vibe right now, just all educational stuff. But um, there's, there's a... Other books, too, that are also just, like, really great books to read that are about culture and race and all those. Like, I I try to, like, at least read a, a few every year just to make sure that I'm sharp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's there's that. But I'm mostly into the educational stuff. Um, how, Im- how important or critical is it for you? that you continue to learn and educate yourself and like keep that moving? Um, I feel like if you are not learning that you are kind of not living. Like I feel like life is all about how you evolve over time. And that's why I love like, you know, fashionable ladies and stuff like that. Because I feel like it's it's not like, uh, like they just didn't stop in their time and say, oh, okay, well, this is just what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep on doing that until I die. <laughs> like, it's it's just, like, refreshing to have somebody who's always present. And mm-hmm. that's what I try to be because the world is always changing. There's always, you know, new ideas out there. And if you're able to kind of relate or see some, you know, potential in some of those ideas, then that's, like, the best situation. Mm-hmm. What are th- some things that you wish you knew when you started on your career journey that you know now? Um, I think I, I think back then when I was starting, I probably just, I, I was just so unaware of so many things within the industry And I'm still kind of feeling like I'm on the outside just because in my field, there's not many uh, women, period. Um, 
And also like black women is another, you know, thing where it's not very many of those. So I wish that I kind of understood the industry a little bit more. And I kind of understood my art um, in the perspective of the user. Because I feel like before I was just trying to make things that I thought were cool. Mm -hmm. And that's what like... Like a a lot of artists start that way. They're just like, oh, I I really love this. And I want to put more of this outside in the world. And um, now I'm I'm more so thinking about everybody else and and kind of coming back to what I think is good at the very, very end. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I just try to make sure things are up to my standard. But for the most part, I'm trying to design things for other people. I think that's one of the things that nobody realizes like behind the scenes when you're in the industry of making stuff Mm -hmm. so footwear apparel accessories like you name it the good designers are never are rarely making things that they want Mm -hmm. but it's almost like being an actor where you have to put on the hat of who that consumer is yeah and so often when people are hiring they're like oh, I don't know, like, do you like basketball? Like, we don't. We really want to have someone doing this that likes basketball. Yeah. Because that's who, what the consumer likes. And it's like, hey, like, listen, if I'm good at my job of making stuff for other people, I have to be able to do the research and the homework and find those connective points to yeah. get that person. Like, that's the fun part of this job. Yeah. Like, some of the things that I've had the most enjoyment doing are things that are not products for me. Like... I love doing stuff for kids. I love mm-hmm. doing stuff that may be more like techie and boring that I do not relate to. But there's just like this cleanness that, you know, I want at the end for the end product. And just like, a, you know, visual hierarchy that's easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Like as long as it has that, then it's awesome. But um, but yeah, I, I think the, well, I think the last time I created something that I really connect with, it was pretty recently just because I'm trying to get into projects that I relate to mm-hmm. as well right now. I, I, you know, before it wasn't really important and I've done a bunch of that, but now I'm trying to get like into uh, just like, you know, people I want to put on a you know a pedestal or whatever with my yeah. work. So, so now I'm doing some things where I'm just like, Oh yeah, I know this person, but, um, but yeah, before it was not like that at all, but those projects were really, really great and really, uh, like it taught me a lot because mm-hmm. you're you're always I think it's more important as an artist and as a designer to just be able to you know know different styles know how it's done be able to put that kind of in your repertoire mm-hmm. uh, I said that word real that was perfect <laughs> but, but yeah so um, I feel like as long as you're able to do that then you're fine just try to like work towards mastery of you know all the different looks out there mm-hmm. and you'll be great and anybody will basically want to hire you. Yeah. If somebody feels like they are not powerful at all, mm-hmm. where would you tell them to start to discover their power or and to start building that self-confidence? I think that self-confidence kind of comes from self-awareness and just kind of like, I think you kind of have to learn yourself. And because that's basically what I've been doing a lot through my 20s and I'm kind of getting to an okay spot. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, like I feel like there's a lot of things you have to. Oh, and and also therapy is great for your confidence. 
But uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of things that you have to think about, you know, all the things that made you, like your history and everything, and kind of, you know, find your place within all that. And, you know, like what, like what, what do you think is important? What do you think is something that you believe in that you're tied to? Um, find all of that and kind of make that into like the things that you're confident about because it's the things that make you mm-hmm. and the things that you like really, really care about. So I think it's a culmination of that stuff. Yeah. Or, um, and also I think that, um, you know, kind of giving yourself pep talks and affirmations and things like that. If you're feeling like really, really, you know, down about some things, help. And um, also having like a really, really good support system and people that believe in you and people that you also are, you know, tied to and you have strong feelings for, like Mm -hmm. let them build you up and, you know, build up the people around you. So you have a really strong family core, even if they aren't, you know, your blood family, like create your family, create your, create those circles and, you know, try and get yourself out there. If you don't have that, like try with the internet, it's very, very um, easy to find. Well, not easy, but it's easier to find people that you can relate to. So try to use as as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So obviously we're recording this right now in February. Yeah. Which is uh, Black History Month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what what does that month mean to you? Is it important? Is it like w- when you hear that, what all comes up for you? Well, I never really had a strong tie to Black History Month. I knew that it was like the month where in school we would learn something about, you know, people that are black in our history. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> but, perhaps for the only time of the year. Right? Yes, yes. Um, but I'm like one of those people that feel like black history is created every day mm-hmm. and that there's so many things for us to be proud of, you know, year round. So that's kind of what I tend to focus on because I just feel like there's been so many great strides um, just in general for like black culture and I think that, like, we're killing it. Like, I've, I feel like as, as far as, like, popular culture and things, like, there's so many things that come from Black culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm especially super, super proud of that. And I just want to push that further. And, um, and yeah, and while Black History Month is definitely important, and I th- there's, like, things that, you know, I love about this month that I even experienced in school, like, you know, the Black, you know, anthem and things like that like those definitely instilled a certain like pride in me and in like people that you know I went to school like I kind of saw like oh like our culture is being brought up and people just had like a bigger sense of pride so um I love that part of Black History Month and um I do think that it's something that's important for you know everybody but I don't um I don't have like a specific uh, tie to the month or anything that I do. Uh, I just think that we should always be proud and, you know, everybody should feel a sense of pride. Because I know that there's other like, you know, races that don't necessarily like or don't just have a month or anything. But I think that we all, you know, Mm -hmm. have like that confidence, that pride. And that's important to always have no matter what month it is. Yeah, and and to your point before about like doing the research to learn about it yourself, like whatever yeah. your culture and background is, like 
be curious, like take pride in that, like yeah. go do your own research. Right. And I think like we should just everybody in general should try to learn as much as they can about people that are different from them, like just different cultures. There's so many things that are so interesting and um, just, you know, different things, different lanes that you can get into. Like I love anime. I love like mm-hmm. a bunch of different stuff. And I, I just think as a person, it's just important to be as real well-rounded as you can be. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is, you know, learning about people that don't look like you. Yeah. Because it, it's pretty boring if everybody is just like the same. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, to your point, there's so much fun behind the curiosity of exploring that. Yeah. There's so many cool things. Like I recently, well, not recently got into anime, but I've been just like watching so many different cartoons. <laughs> and like, to me, like you see different perspectives when you look at different content mm-hmm. and, you know, learning about it too. Like you totally see like different perspectives there as well. Like um, my cousin, she's a, she's a professor for gender and inequalities and she was telling me like, yeah, there's like this part of the world where the most sexualized part of somebody is their knees. So they don't show their knees, but like boobs, everything else, like that's fine. <laughs> but like, just don't, don't show my knees. <laughs> so, so I think like things like that is really, really like interesting. And it starts to, you know, make you think differently about your own life and American culture itself. Because if you can see that and if you see like, oh, well, in other, you know, countries or places they sexualize this part, then it kind of makes you feel a little different about like your boobs and stuff. Yeah. They're like, they're less significant. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, well, there's different perspectives. And in another place like this will be, you know, sexualized and, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it gives you a certain amount of freedom because you're like, oh, these are all human things. Like human ma- made this, humans made this up. Yeah. So <laughs> like- I could be a little bit more free in how I operate, knowing that I don't have to be tied to like societal, you know, ideas. Yeah. But yeah. And then who who are the women that you look up to the most? Um, I look up to um, my mom, definitely. Uh, my cousin is like, I look up to her so, so much. I don't even know if she realizes how much I like just love her. Um, <laughs> and um, I also have like a really, like really, really great friends and um, like a mentor, uh, Sarah Honey Young and um, my friend Paula Mendoza, which has been, she's been awesome, awesome just throughout my career and just like just having a friendship with her. So I've always looked up to her as well. Um, and, you know, Beyonce. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beyonce, my, you know, my Lord and Savior. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But but yeah, I I look up to uh to her too. Sometimes like when I'm just trying to get some inspiration, I go to Beyonce.com and just see like how is she killing it? So so yeah, I just I get inspired by all of those women. They're all really great to me. Yeah. I mean, I think if Beyonce is not on your list of rock stars to look up to, yeah. Like I think we need to have a conversation. It's like <laughs> there, she literally um Everything she puts out is is so creative or purposeful. Yeah. And like you I feel like she's also she and Jay-Z as a couple, but like if they sat here and hung out, I feel like they would be so normal, it would be boring. Yeah. Which is also what makes me like them so much. <laughs> it's like how like, okay, awesome. I'm ready for either of them to run for president and I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, for for other women who are going into a career where there's not a lot of women in, in that uh, industry, mm-hmm. or there's not people that look like them in that industry, what do you? What's your advice to them to still go down the path that they believe in while dealing mm-hmm. with those things? Um, my I guess uh, input for that would just be just be a trailblazer and kind of make it your own because I feel like a lot of times we get into well for me personally like when I got deep into design and I started to see like the teams and the people that were involved I basically tried to make myself feel a bit more uh, similar to what I've seen out there already and while you know there's definitely so I think you could definitely hone your style by looking at you know, different work out there and that's good. But I also think that once you feel that you're at a, like you're an expert or you're at a certain level where you feel confident that you need to kind of explore, well, how do I want to do this? Because everybody is kind of like, they don't really have a, um, like a set, uh, like a set process or anything like everybody is figuring it out and just because you know some dude is there and he has this whole thing set up like doesn't mean it can't be improved upon and it can't be something that you know that you kind of say okay well this is a good starting place but I want to make this feel comfortable and natural for me and doing you know the the work it takes to to do that to make it feel like your process or to make something feel more like you and um, it'll come a little later in your career. Like first, you'll just like start designing, and unfortunately, you'll probably be taking taken advantage of <laughs> early on. But uh, in the sense of overworking, yes, yes, you'll be over overworked for sure if you're a designer. <laughs> but um, or any field, <laughs> yes, or any field. Um, but yeah, like after after those years of like learning and kind of honing that in, just you know. Give yourself time to, like, make things yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's a secret recipe of almost mimicking the people who are doing what you want to do right now. Yeah. So that you can learn it. Yeah. It's almost like how they used to make you, like, you go through school. You have to learn what all the masters are doing. Mm-hmm. So, and then once you know what they're doing, then you can actually start creating something new. Yeah. And nothing is going to be, you know, what you, like— Okay, I was I was looking at this like tutorial and because I'm trying to do like illustration more now. And um, the guy was talking about how, you know, when you're first starting, you get you have like these artists that you love and you're like, oh, I really want my work to look like that. And I want my style to be like that. Or, you know, maybe it's a you know a bunch of different designers that you're feeling this way about. And um, you could try to do that, but it'll never come out like that hopefully if you're not copying (laughs) but it'll never come out that way you kind of have to feel your way through your process and your style will change and um and in like ways that you didn't expect too like the way that you well for me like the way that I draw um I have like the way that I want it to look but then it'll look another way and I kind of adapt to that. And that's kind of a lot of what design and art is about, like that adaption and that mm-hmm. kind of like 
okay, I can't do this, but I can do this. And I'm going to just like kind of mold that into like my style. Like Mm -hmm. it'll be a lot of that. Yeah. When you hear the phrase powerful ladies, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to you? To me, I I mostly feel of somebody who's grounded, who is, who kind of just knows their shit. So, yeah, basically like that, those two. Awesome. <laughs> Do you have um, a favorite quote or source that you go to to, like, bring yourself back up? You mentioned Beyonce's website before. Oh, yeah. In addition to that, like, what are things that you go back to when you need your own boost or reminder? Um, I'm kind of weird with that because, like, my favorite quote my favorite quote is like pretty depressing. That's okay. <laughs> it's it's um it's like a George Bernard Shaw quote about like how time is moving and everything is is the same. <laughs> but to me like when I when I read that quote it makes me think, you know, most most of these things are not going to change greatly. Just live your life and do what the fuck you want. Just like try to do things that are important to you. Mhm. Because you're not going to, I mean, unless you get reincarnated, like yeah. <laughs> you're not going to have another life or another like, you know, experience that you could really grab hold of and take advantage of. So try to do the most you can in the time that you have is what that quote tells me. But mm-hmm. I'm sure if you were to read it, it makes you feel like everything dies. <laughs> no, but, but that's the important part, right? Like yeah. people get so many different things from the same source. Yeah. And I think to add to what you're saying, like, that's great advice for people. And I wish more people were doing it sooner. Mm-hmm. Like, there's living the life that you want to live and doing it your way. You yeah. can start at any time. Yeah. And it's like, I know, I feel like everything is, um, people feel like there's a time and a place and all those type of things. And they, I feel like there's so many people that are just like, so focused on just being ready. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of steps before they're even ready. But there's no such thing as ready. Right. A lot of these people that are killing it, they're just like doing it like Mm -hmm. that. That's just it. Like and I I feel like that's even like you could see that a lot in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Like there's rappers that don't rhyme on beat now. Like there's there's just like a ton of things of people just like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want and just do what feels, you know, natural to me. And I feel like that should be inspiration for everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. I know that there's Instagram and you see people and, and it looks perfect, but there's so much grind behind all that stuff. So just grind your little hearts out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, get into the get into the motion. Awesome. What? So we have a question we ask everybody. And it's mm-hmm. like, where do you put yourself in the powerful lady scale? So if human is like a zero and powerful lady is a 10. Mm-hmm. Where would you say you rank yourself on an average and where would you put yourself today? And zero is human? Uh-huh. <laughs> so like you can translate it like if powerful ladies is like Wonder Woman, like where do you feel most days? Most days I feel very two-ish. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, most days, um, most days I don't feel powerful and... I feel like that's that's natural. Most women, they don't feel like they're at, or people, I should say, don't feel like they're at the spot that they want to be at. Mm-hmm. But it's all about the journey. And and I and I do like, even though I, do, I may wake up and feel zero, one, two, or whatever, uh-huh. I think that um, you kind of just have to have faith in yourself and, and faith in like, you know, the future and what's possible. 
and be optimistic. Yeah, it's it's um all of it's a journey, right? People yeah. talk so much about finding your purpose and this and that. And it's like, yes, like I do believe that when you are doing your purpose, you mm-hmm. feel it. Like that's the, you get lit up, you're excited. You're like, you know. Yeah. But you can't stress about getting there. Right. Because you're missing all the stuff that you could be doing now. Yeah. And there's, yeah. Like don't don't be paralyzed by not, having the answers and yeah. not feeling like a 10. Right. Because honestly, that question's a trick question. Like there is there is no powerful lady scale. Right. And most people, like we're all human. So right. it's really just to put perspective in that as each guest is answering that question, it's really interesting to see where they feel they're at and why. Yeah. And like there's no right answer. And I think that applies to not just that question, but life. Yeah. And I think that most, like, I feel that because of where we're at, most people feel like, oh, it has to be perfect Mm -hmm. and everything has to be pretty and, you know, whatever. But most days you are going to feel just human. And and I'm sure that's true for, you know, everybody. I'm sure most days Beyonce just feels like Beyonce. And she's just like, okay, well, like, what the fuck do I do today? Yeah. Like, I have to make breakfast or something like I don't know like there's like not everybody is gonna feel superhuman or happy every every day and every moment so I think that we have to think more about like the human condition just as Mm -hmm. it is and just as you're like listening to this and you know hearing and maybe you know taking some things and it's like oh yeah those are great like you're living your life and just as you're doing this activity you could be doing something else as well like mm-hmm. after this that is like important for your future mm-hmm. it's just all about like building that building yourself up to do those things momentum yeah mm-hmm. like have more patience and and allow yourself to build that momentum and feel more you know like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it now because <laughs> that takes time and you know i you're not as we were saying before like you're not always going to feel ready for things, but, you know, if you just kind of get motivated, then, you know, hold on to that. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest today. This has been an, a great conversation. I'm not allowed to say awesome anymore because I said it way <laughs> too much in like the last two episodes. I love awesome. It's a great word, but now I've started a drinking game while you listen to the podcast. Every, you can take a shot every time you hear that word and you will be drunk in like the first five minutes. So oh my God. I'm, I'm going back to the, the thesaurus to find some other <laughs> options. Um, it's, it's been so great to get to know you more, to get to share your story and thank you for being an inspiration of mine and now for so many other people thank you thank you for like inviting me here to have this um conversation i was really excited about it and and yeah like i i love i love you and i loved like working with you and i hope that we get to do other stuff for sure (laughs) powerful ladies stick together yes yes totally Holy smokes, guys, isn't Gentelle incredible? It's special to find someone who is hungry and curious and driven and fully admits her vulnerabilities. I'm so honored to call her a friend and to have had her as a guest on the Powerful Ladies podcast. The richness and intention that she thinks about life, her impact, and what she's creating really is remarkable. Listening to this episode brought me right back to why I'm so committed to creating 
Powerful Ladies, because her story and perspective has such depth and inspiration, just like I know so many others do as well. I can't wait to hear what you love about this episode and what moment really landed with you. You can support and connect with Gentel in quite a few ways. You can follow her on Instagram at Gentel, G-I-N-T-E-L, follow her on Twitter at Gentel, LinkedIn slash Gentel, there's a theme here. Uh, check out her website, gentelg.com, and email her, hi, at gentelg.com. All of that will also be available in our show notes. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here at Powerful Ladies, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave a review on any of these platforms. Share the show with all the powerful ladies and gentlemen in your life. Join our Patreon account. Check out the website, thepowerfulladies.com to hear more inspiring stories, get practical tools to be your most powerful, get 15% off your first order in the Powerful Ladies shop, or donate to the Powerful Ladies One Day of Giving campaign. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. For show notes and to get the links to the books, podcasts, and people we talk about, go to thepowerfulladies.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. She's one of the first female audio engineers in the podcasting world, if not the first. And she also happens to be the best. We're very lucky to have her. She's a powerful lady in her own right, in addition to taking over the podcasting world. She's a singer-songwriter working on her next album, and she's one of my sisters. So it's amazing to be creating this with her, and I'm so thankful that she finds time in her crazy busy schedule to make this happen. It's a testament to her belief in what we're creating through Powerful Ladies, and I'm honored that she shares my vision. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life, Go be awesome and up to something you love. Hello, everybody. Are you excited? I'm excited. Do you know why I'm excited? Because there is amazing merchandise at the Powerful Ladies store. Go there today, thepowerfulladies.com. Click shop. Buy things for yourself. Be inspired. Buy things for your friends. You can do it. I like big books, books and, and I cannot lie. lie. <laughs> what do you want them to do, Kara? I want them to go and visit thepowerfulladies.com, mm-hmm. go to tools, click read, and see all the awesome books that I love, our guests love. You click on that picture, you can buy them. And guess what? Every time you buy a book there, you help support powerful ladies. What? I know. What? Listen, guys, if you love what we're doing, Support us. Buy some books on Powerful Ladies. Do it today. Support yourself. Support yourself and your brain and buy some books. I should know. I don't read. I should read. And now Jordan is fired from the Powerful Ladies because (laughs) this is a literacy-promoting organization and we can't have her spreading that nonsense. (laughs) I'm going to read. Read.